6 a.m. run, community, listeners, everyone that's been part of this podcast uh, journey that we're starting here. Really excited. And again, I always start every episode with the gratitude to you guys. It's you guys who continue to make 6 a.m. the brand and everything we do content-wise grow. So I'm, I'm so excited and thank you guys. And there's no better time for this next guest who I think if you're running right now, if, if you have children, a lot of us obviously are kind of that 30, 35 plus in this community. So having kids, being parents, and we're all in that kind of boat. No offense. They're not trying to offend anyone. If you don't have kids, if you're single, you're also part of this community, no doubt. But let's uh, let's get right into it. Mike Chisholm, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. And please introduce yourself to us. Tammy, it's a pleasure to be here. I am very, very excited to talk to the 6AM Run community. I love that word, first and foremost. My word of the year in 2022 is collaboration. And, and yeah. if you want to build a community, collaboration is it. My name is Mike Chisholm. I'm from Western Canada. And I just very, very much am in support of what it is that you guys are doing. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. There's all sorts of ways that we can take this podcast. And I'm looking very forward to a beautiful conversation unfolding. Well, I'll say, and obviously why I pinged you, we'll probably get into other rabbit holes here and there, but why I pinged you and and, and one of the things we talked about in a pre-call a few weeks ago, you had, wrote a book based on a traumatic experience that really kind of set the stage for this call and this podcast and what we're about to talk about. Do you want to go right into it? Yeah, for sure. And and I think that when it comes to uh, dealing with adversity, there's all sorts of ways that we can deal with it. The adversity that hit my wife and I and our family was our uh, granddaughter, who was 18 months at the time, um, Christmas Eve of, of 2019, she was 18 months, we discovered that she had a tumor the size of my fist behind her tailbone. And my granddaughter is like, I'm lucky enough to be a, a very young grandfather. I'm 45. It's the result of the beauty of modern family that I became a grandfather very young. And she is like my best friend in the whole world. She's just my, she's my everything. And when we found out about that tumor, life changed for us forever. Thank goodness it's a happy ending. And uh, we can get into that here a, a little bit. But at, at the end of the day, the, the sum up of what happened was my wife and I decided to go to Vancouver to BC Children's Hospital, which is a foreign city from where we live. And it ended up being that we spent five months down there with my stepson and his wife and my granddaughter. And, and life just completely changed on us. You know, we had just finished our goals for 2020. We knew what we were going to do. We were taking some trip. I think that our situation was a bit of a precursor because everybody's 2020 got upended. Mm -hmm. And going through adversity, it leaves clues. You know, they talk about how success leaves clues. Well, going through adversity leaves clues as well. And so my wife and I decided to write a book. This is it right here. It's called She Changed Me, One Ordeal, Two Perspectives, Mike Chisholm. You start reading the book. You learn about all the lessons I learned dealing with adversity that are universal. You get to the middle of the book where the pictures are, and that's Alara, my granddaughter, coming home from BC Children's Hospital. And that's where the story ends. Well, if you flip wow. the book, there's my wife's side of it. I love that part of it. She changed me one ordeal, two perspectives, and my wife wrote that side. And, and you get to the middle of the book, and it's the same thing. But the lessons that she learned versus the lessons that I learned, the points of view, were staggering. And, uh, and we can talk about how fitness is definitely one of the things to help with adversity. We can talk about that. But I mean, uh, really, at the end of the day, you don't plan for adversity to hit. But if you have a plan for when adversity hits, 
you can certainly position yourself to come out better on the other side. And that's certainly what we did. So and real quick, guys, uh, unfortunately, we do do audio only. We, we do save the video, by the way, but um, sure, okay. Mike, but, but no, I, what I want people to know, it's cool. So what Mike did there, he flipped the book. So it's like, it really is his side, his wife's side. We'll definitely put links. By the way, Mike, just so you, we, we're going to put links to everything no in problem, the bio. No problem, It's two covers, um, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah two covers. it's really, really cool. And no, Mike, I will say, if, if we do snippets of the video, Sure. Mike is, you can tell when Mike first said his story of his granddaughter, I did do, I was like, we, I don't see any white hair. I don't, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, you don't look like the typical granddad. Mike and I are very similar in age. So I, I can't imagine being a grandfather, but I will say from my dad, seeing my dad with my kids, there's a different, uh, let me ask you that too. Yeah. Cause I want to know, cause I, I always wonder this with my dad, there, is there a different connection with your granddaughter than your own kids? Yeah. So you're going to hear that now that I've said it, it's kind of like that reticular activating system in the brain, blue car. Oh yeah. And then you see blue cars everywhere. Now that I say this, you'll hear this. You hear grandparents talking about how much better it is or different it is being on the side of being a grandparent versus being a parent. I can sum it up into one kind of phrase that my wife Candy and I figured out about two weeks after Alara was born. It's all of the love with none of the fear. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think about watching, you know, my stepson and, and his wife, what they're going through as first time parents. And, and they're afraid of everything. You know, the soother falls down on the ground. They want to boil it before they put it back in the baby's mouth. Yeah. Like, you know, by the time the second kid arrives, you know, that loosens up significantly if you talk to oh, parents who sure. have more than yeah. one child. And when you're a grandparent, it's even more because you have so much depth of experience. And so all the love with none of the fear, even with Alara going through, and we've never gone through a kid with cancer before, but even Alara going through that, we had a different perspective as grandparents, but all that love was there. Plus, because the child doesn't live with you, it's condensed and intensified. It's like nitrous oxide is what it is, is the love that we feel for her. And it is definitely a different perspective, a phenomenal one. And, uh, it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm putting her into MMA next month. She's four now, or just turning four. There's a guy in town that has trained a bunch of UFC fighters uh, at very high levels. Putting her into that next month, she's already in dance and gymnastics. And it's so great to be a grandparent, not having to deal with all of the crap that her poor parents have to deal with with life. It's a much different perspective and it's it's beautiful. I highly recommend it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet for me though, but no, it, it's funny you mentioned that. I just, cause I see the way my father is where he was with me and where he is with the kids. And it's very, uh, it, it's different, but uh, it, it is a good different. So, you know, there's so many things I, I kind of want to go into a little bit, but sure. you're put into a challenging place. You're put into, you know, especially a child. I think the worst part is, is that if I'm sick or if something happens to me and even my wife, you know, not just the kids, you know, at least I'm kind of like, all right, I'll go through it. Even starting this company, right? Like now I'll say this, the nights when I didn't know, like, all right, I might have to not pay the mortgage because I got to pay a 6am run bill or do I skip a 6am run bill and pay the mortgage, right? You try not to, you shield your family from stuff like that, right? This though is not really when the child's going through it, you can't shield anyone. Also, I have a couple questions, but I'm kind of throwing them all out there. You also see a lot of like families when they're put in, in situations like this, the couples don't make it. Since we have talked to, and I read, it was funny, you know, like you said, sometimes when you say something and then you hear about it, there was like a study I was seeing, like when parents are going through 
child health care issues. It's also, it increases the chance of parental divorce. Yes, significantly. Because they're now disagreeing on things and it's a lot of stress. And they're kind of like in trying to, you know, one parent might want to be fully involved. The way one parent might deal with it is to kind of be like, I'm taking a step back a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Everyone has different oh. approaches to how they deal with uh, pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your dynamic like? I, I kind of threw like no, 30 no, no, questions no. in there. There's a lot to unpack. And it's uh, for me, it's very easy unpacking. First off, you know, you talk about it. We talk about adversity, the adversity of the entrepreneur, you know, with the startup. My wife's got a startup too. My wife is building a men's mental wellness app. You can go to hechangedit.com and check it out. It's called He Changed It. She is literally wanting to change the world with building a startup. And this landmine of Alara, of our granddaughter, blew up right as she was starting to launch things. You know, imagine, imagine the pressures that the spinning plates that are there. And so, yeah, uh, you know, when you deal with adversity, these tools that we talk about and this community that you're building to help people, it's such a good thing that you're doing that. Because I mean, you know, pressure is pressure. And as men, many times, you know, I host the podcast, Men's Mental Wellness Podcast. I 100% identify with what you just said. As the man, I think it's somewhere intrinsically or genetically just inside me that I wish I could take that pain from them. And it is just not possible. And so what is possible? What's possible is that I need to be the best man that I can be as we go through this. We got down there. The kids stayed at Ronald McDonald House. Thank goodness. BC Children's Hospital has an amazing campus, a world-class facility, and a Ronald McDonald House right on site. I'll never look at commercials for McDonald's the same ever again after spending or, or seeing the family spend five months there. Everybody's on an even playing field. You've got CEOs and you've got folks who can't, you know, rub two pennies together, all in the same place, all united with one thing. They've got a sick kid. Our oncologist took us aside and said, look, many, if not most families don't make it through this, which is one of the chief reasons my wife and I just, we didn't even really talk about it. We just looked at each other and said, well, we're staying down here the whole time to support the family. And we saw it happen. We saw families explode there because of the pressure. It's literally a landmine, Hammy. Like when adversity like this hits, you imagine a landmine going off. Well, it leaves a crater. It sends rocks all over the place that fall down. There's fallout from that. And you got to figure out ways to stay outside that. And I'll tell you this, fitness is right near the top. And the overarching though, that includes fitness is self-care. Anytime that you're going through something, The thing that I learned, the number one thing, I read an entire chapter about it in the book, is self-care. And it seems, I felt guilty. I felt guilty knowing Alara was in the hospital going through chemo. There was nothing I could do. It was downtime. And my buddy called me up, Bill Burr, the comedian Bill Burr was in town. And he said, hey, I'm taking you out of your environment. I'm taking you to Bill Burr tonight. There was nothing I could have done with Alara. She was sleeping. My family was, you know, but I still felt guilty going to Bill Burr. I felt guilty for laughing. If I could go back into that moment and talk to myself at that point, I'd say, hold on, you need to fill your cup if you want to water other people. And that's the number one thing. So while as a man, you know, you have father, you talk about this, we can't go through it for them, but we can make sure that we stay strong because that will be the best representation of ourselves to help them to hold their hand and go through it with them. That is the number one thing. And I would say that to somebody who's, whether or not you got a a family member with cancer, whether you got a startup with all the pressures of building a company, you know, no matter what it is, self-care is paramount. Yeah, I agree. That's for me. And that's what fitness is, right? The hour of just running. That's my thing. You know what I mean? I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. 
It's not crazy though, because like while we were down there, there was a learning curve in that five months that we were down there, there was a learning curve. The first two months, if it's a baseball analogy, man, I was hitting it in the dirt. It was not good, but you get better and you get stronger. And that's why we wrote the book is we want to help people if they're dealing through adversity, plus have the male female perspective. One of the things that I did, the oncology ward was on the eighth floor of BC Children's Hospital. And they're big floors. Like, like we're not just talking 10 steps between each floor. Well, I stopped taking the elevator about two months in. I stopped taking the elevator. Every time I came to that facility and left that facility, I went up the stairs and down the stairs and the pace got better. You know, at first I was winded, but the pace got faster every time. And by the end, by the time Alara was done, I could whip up and down those things. No problem. But what it did for my insides, like you talk about how fitness is your thing. Of course it is. All of the beautiful biological things that happen when we get in that zone and we start and we get active, yeah. it can help you immeasurably deal yeah. with the other shit that we deal with going through our life. I love that you said that. So you're going through that. One of the things I also want to talk about too, one of the things you said in our pre-call a couple of weeks ago that I want to get into here, you talked about at the Ronald McDonald House, there was so many other just eye-opening things for you. You talk about whether you're a janitor, whether you're a custodian, whether you're a garbage man, whatever your occupation, everyone is on a level playing field. And some kids, unfortunately, don't make it. Some kids do. But a CEO, a business owner, a, a very rich man or woman, right? There's nothing. Now it's about you know, this child and getting the child better, but nobody is, when you said that to me, that made sense. Like when I say made sense, I'm saying it wrong, but like it rang, it rang. Yeah, no, I get you. It, oh yeah, it hits. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's really important. There's another skill of learning is, and that's holding space for people. You're in a community, you're in a mastermind group, you're in a whatever, Ronald McDonald house, you know, a place where all these, all these sick kids, you've got to, develop that skill. And again, I think fitness really helps with this about setting boundaries and holding space for people, but not holding and taking on their stuff. It was a phenomenal example of how even as adults, we are still high school students. Right. Um, you know, there were, everybody had different opinions about things and you had some overprotective mothers who were looking at their, their child and had a sign on their child saying, do not touch my child. You know, you had people who were you know, the exact opposite where it's like, please, we need hugs for our children. It's a really interesting science experiment being at a place like that and seeing all of the different points of view, all of the different opinions, people would click up. It was very, very much like high school. And so learning the skill when you're going through adversity, learning the skill to not take on other people's stuff is essential because you've got your own stuff. But at the same time, being able to hold space and hear and whatnot without taking it on is a really, really important part. And that was a a lesson that we learned throughout the process. It was interesting. Really, really, really interesting. If it wasn't so sad in some of the situations, it would be a fascinating study of human behavior. So, yeah, let's not skip. Your granddaughter gets better. The treatment worked. Was it just also removing the tumor and then monitoring it? I want to make sure some of our listeners may be wondering, what was the road Uh, If we can quickly say, what was the road to getting her better? I hear you. And I'll tell you this, again, going through adversity, you never really know when you hit rock bottom. It turns out, you know, we found out about the tumor on Christmas Eve of 2019. By the 27th, we were at BC Children's Hospital. And on the 31st, the tumor was removed. Now, 
we didn't know that that was going to be the rock bottom moment. And the worst day there was Alara surgery day. It was seven and a half hours. Wow. It was complex. They went in from the front and the back to get it. It was a very complex surgery. It was the longest day of my life. Then a few days later, it came back. Pathology came back and it found they found out that the tumor was cancerous and we we're going to stay down there for another few months because she was going to go through four rounds of chemo. The fear of the chemo was awful, but it was not as bad as the reality of the surgery day. And there are so many yeah. times in our lives when we go through adversity and we don't even know that we've hit the rock bottom. We hit the rock bottom like four days or five days into our journey down there. But we yeah, didn't but know that. You, didn't know, you don't know it at that time, obviously. No. So everything and everything and obviously you, uh, it assumes it sounds like you've never gone through obviously anything like this before. So Absolutely. yeah, so you're kind of like, yeah, like every new thing was new. And yeah, no, it, that makes a lot of sense. So we get her better. You guys kind of yep. come through that. Now take us to kind of, Mike, I want to also take what you've done. I love people that can take the worst kind of experience or a event that is obviously not pleasant. Sure. Adversity, any, any, whatever the adversity is. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you make that about obviously spreading that message, which I love the day and age we're in. People can do that. So can yes. you now talk about you and your wife say, okay, look, book idea. I think you have your own podcast show. Yeah. Now let's help other people so they know that, you know, this kind of things happened before. And sometimes, sometimes there's there. And if, you know, positivity, let me ask you this too. Do you think staying positive and for all of your family, do you think there was a, a huge, I don't want to say benefit, but like a huge help part yeah. of this story was, it seems like you are a very positive person. It didn't yeah. seem like losing your grandchild. And again, I say this word, those words very carefully. No, no, no. It, no. It, we that, talked about that. That was a like reality. You, yeah. you did. Okay. So, cause I, I was going to say, it kind of seemed like you were just like, no, we're going to stay positive. We're going to come out of this. That's kind of like not something we're even going to, but you actually did that. Never mind. So you did address that. Well, without a doubt. Like, I mean, you know, my life's motto is don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution. And that's certainly what the book is, is let's find a solution. Let's try and put the positive spin on things. But positivity can be a double-edged sword. People in personal development right now are talking a lot about toxic positivity. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, you know, at the end of the day, we were hoping while we were down there that it was assist. Okay. And that was, that was the whole thing was like my positive attitude wanted to will to manifest the fact that we were going to get down there. It's assist. It's been growing since in utero. They didn't see it. Now that we've seen it, they're going to remove it. That's going to be it. And we're going to be back home you know, mid-January once once the scars heal or the, the incisions heal. And then, you know, you find out, oh no, it's actually cancer. Wow, yeah. And boy, oh boy, you talk about attitude. I'm a firm believer that we are in control of two things. We're in control of our attitude and we're in control of our activity. Those are things that we can control. But what happens when the reality overwhelms the attitude so yeah. hard? We've got to take a couple of steps back. And that happened. I am a very, very positive person. I do want to focus on the solution. The moment a problem arises, I want to be able to kind of accept it and then move to, okay, what do we do about it? Yeah. I think that is a huge success in life hack. If you can get to that place even nearly instantly, you're doing what champions do. But what happens when the problem overwhelms even that attitude, even that? But we have the tools to do that. We have the tools to deal with these things. You just may not know it in the moment. And that's okay, too. It's okay to hold space for the idea that you're not okay. It's all right. Yeah. Just have in the back of your mind, yeah, but it's not always going to be this way. If the worst would have happened, we could have 
weathered that storm. You look at what's going on around the world right now. People are weathering storms and they're surviving. I've got a client of mine who was from, uh, you know, the former Yugoslavia. And, and I mean, he talked about when he was growing up, all he knew was, was unrest to the point where he became a refugee and moved over to North America and had to basically start his watch his, his mom and dad start from scratch. You know, you look at this 20, 30 years later, and I mean, they're successful. They've got all sorts of great things going for them. And most of us certainly haven't had to go through a child with cancer. Most of us haven't had to go through, you know, being estranged from our homes due to war, due to warlords, due to civil unrest. Most of us have never seen that. So if they can get through it, we can get through it. We're equipped with the tools to do it. And that's where community and perspective and masterminding together is so important. Athletics together. Like you can be a lone runner or you can be a runner as part of a community where you're all encouraging each other to do better and to move faster. I love the tactic that you guys are taking with your company in building a community that is about not just nutrition, not just athletics, but right. it's a community that it's about getting better together and driving each other forward. That's, in my opinion, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. One of the things as I get older, having kids, and, and I'll tell you too, you, you, what you're going at with the community, the village quote, you know, it taking a village, Very you know, I'm, I'm a parent, I'm a dad, but, you know, without my daughter's coaches, teachers, you know, there's so many people that, you know, you have some older kids, so you know this even a little bit ahead of me. Yes. I'm not sometimes the cool, I like to think I'm like the cool dad, but I'm not, right? <laughs> so you need the coaches, the teachers, people that do not have the mom and dad label. Sometimes the kids want to listen to them because they think, and, and by the way, we all do. I think at some point we all are like, sure. our, our parents don't know shit, right? So yep. um, we've all been there. And the, it takes a village quote, as I get older and my kids get older and I'm seeing you need that support. There's a lot of times, you know, I'll call Layla, my daughter, I'll call her coach and I'll be like, yeah, yeah got to get this kid in check. She, you know what I mean? Like, or her trainer, like, Hey, I think this is happening. We got to work on this. And the fact that to have somebody that's invested as well and says, I'm on it, we're going to fix it. Like you need that. You know what I mean? Well, let me flip that on its ear a little bit. I think that, you know, I, I, I've got a, a financial business and I've got advisors who I am their mentor or their coach, if you want to, you know, I'm their leader in that regard. And we have a saying where other leaders will talk to each other. They talk about being parent deaf. I think that we never necessarily outgrow that. I think that there are times where we rebel against our parents, against our leadership, and we look at the critical thinking, our critical thinking skills, and we put things that we hear to the test. I believe a silver bullet, especially for men, you know, I host a men's mental wellness podcast. I've, I've talked with all sorts of people from coaches to life coaches, uh, counselors, you know, filmmakers, athletes, all of that. And we're studying and finding out these common things. Vulnerability is where it's at. If we can learn to be vulnerable and release some of these things and actually look around rather than be in that tunnel visioned place that happens when adversity hits, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you talk about being a parent there. Well, that's when the kids rebel or the kids are at that place where they don't listen to you, they're tunnel visioned at that point. It's just a smaller version of them dealing with adversity. It's just adversity as they see it in that moment, right? Well, that never leaves us. And when adversity hits, you got two choices. And for me, another thing that I learned is being vulnerable, open to the idea that I don't know everything is an essential skill. And at that point there, you know, the old adage, two ears, one mouth, I start listening. I start looking around to see what, what other people are doing. And there yeah. were friends for, that we got, uh, it's a chapter in the book, actually, friends from unexpected places. When you're going through adversity, if you can be vulnerable and you can let it out, that you're actually going through some crap, mm -hmm. there are people 
They may not even be friends of yours. We were shocked at the reaction of a friends around us when we went down to Vancouver and they found out what was going on. We sounded the, the call on social media. There was a GoFundMe set up. It was wildly supported. But the funny thing about that was many people who we would have considered close personal friends yeah. ghosted us. Yet sometimes there were these acquaintances that were just on the outer sphere of our influence that just bullied and body checked their way in and said, no, we're going to support you here. If I wasn't vulnerable, none of that would have happened. And the legions of support that we received, I wouldn't have been able to benefit from that. So, So when you're going through stuff, being vulnerable to being able to talk about it and get it out there, even though, especially for men, that is a very difficult thing sometimes, boy, does it ever lead to to support and solution. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So we talk about that. We get kind of where we are now. You yeah. have your book. Do you want to tell me too? I know because you have your own podcast too, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. So my wife, her life's purpose is to build He Changed It. And He Changed It is an app that you can get on your phone. It's available in the in both the uh, Google and the Apple stores. You go to hechangedit.com. You can see it right there. At the end of the day, my wife does not like the world that her sons are inheriting. And she wants to do something about it. She was in the not-for-profit sector for a long time. And she saw men who would come out and ask for support and resources, single dads sometimes, whatever it was. And she would see them getting the fuzzy end of the popsicle stick, whether it was a on, on a legal standpoint when it came to custody, whether it was uh, support resources available. Women and children had a ton. Men didn't have very much. And so she did this deep dive. And, and it turns out, the World Health Organization calls men's mental health a silent crisis. Uh, mm. Three out of four suicides are middle-aged men in North America. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. No. And by the way, real quick, I'd not to interrupt you, but I think that goes no, back No, 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 go ahead. You got to remember too, especially I have two daughters, but you got to remember part of what I've heard from a lot of dads also in even like my daughter 14, some of the dads in that basketball community that have sons. And even my, the way we were brought up, I was brought up maybe. Remember, you're taught as a boy, you're taught from such a young age, shake it off, right? Brush it off. Yes. Don't cry. Yes. So real quick to that point, I think, again, we go yeah. back, we've been, we kind of mentioned this now probably four times. There's just so many things I think men just want to bottle up and not yes. show their cards or show weakness. But I think, and I probably should there's got to be, I think, sometimes when maybe you release it somehow, not just through yes. fitness, not just maybe crying, maybe venting yeah. to someone like, man, like I've just had the worst day. Maybe it is psychiatric help. Maybe, you know, it's things like yeah. that, but not to interrupt you, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it, that's, we're just taught from such a young age that like, you got to bottle that shit up. And I don't think yep. some people that's not good to do. Absolutely. And, and I mean, uh, you know, that's what he changed it. You've just nailed the essence of why he changed it exists because there aren't a lot of tools to reteach some of these things. Like one of the things we talk about this on the podcast all the time, we're taking back the phrase man up, right? The old version of man up is exactly what you, what you said, you know, bottle it down. Don't cry. Don't do that. No, no, no. Manning up is actually dealing with it and you deal with it in all sorts of ways. There's no one right way. There's pulleys and levers and all sorts of things. Fitness, by the way, is a major one. He changed it is developing a major yeah. fitness component within right. it. You know, I hope that we can partner up somehow, some way yeah. along as we do this, you know, but the other one too is, is talking. And the Canadian Mental Health Association, which is a gigantic organization up here in Canada, actually developed a course for He Changed It. She's like, you know what? Men don't, like you say, men don't come to our site. We're going to build you a course so you can put it in your app for free. It's called It's Tough to Talk. 
And it's, it actually gains to it. It's a click through course and it's free. And to do exactly what you said, you know, the balloon gets so big sometimes. And when it bursts for men, when that balloon bursts, it's not just suicide. Okay. That's the Mm -hmm. one that, oh my God, that's the dramatic one that people see. What about the silent crisis? What's the number one thing that kills men in North America? Yeah. It's heart disease. Guess what? A huge part of that has to do with our stress levels as to where we're at. That balloon bursts, we stroke out, we blood pressure out, we we heart attack out. And we have a lot of control over that if we just learn how to talk. Right. And like you said, release the pressure out of the balloon. And there's all sorts of ways that do that. Community is one, yeah. you know, fitness is another, talking, releasing these things, counseling, sure, all of these things can play a part. And if we create a new, you know, my wife is like, Me Too drives her crazy, not because she's not a strong woman. She is a strong woman. And by the way, she's got a Me Too story as well. But she's like, Where is the solution? <laughs> okay, this yeah. happened. This is what people were taught to behave, both men and women, how we were taught to behave. And now people, there's an awareness like there's never been. Now what? And my wife is like, he changed it. That's what. And and there's a there's a roadmap. She changed it is coming. We changed it is coming. They changed it is coming. But the critical one, the one that hits my wife's heart is he changed it. And that's what that's uh you know, I I'm just watching her and her team build this thing and it's unbelievable. My job is to host the podcast. I talk to really interesting guests. We throw this stuff around. Hammy, I want to have you on as a guest. Okay. I want to talk about this stuff because I mean, you've got this So many men are in there. We call them silos. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to make our lives better for our family. We're we're doing startups, but at the same time, we're we're trying to be dads. Many of us single dads. You know, we're trying to to deal with all of the pressures of life. You know, I'm a white middle aged man, and I'm being called privileged. But at the same time, I'm just trying to make it just like everybody else. And there's so much division. And the only way we as a society will improve is if we get these things out, we talk about them, we find the compromise, and we all move forward together in a spirit of healing. Yeah, man. Yeah. I know. I I love all that. Listen, I think everything we talked about, your show, I think that you kind of really summed that all up. I, I will say I'm kind of my questions are all kind of out there. You really did an amazing job in a really concise amount of time putting it out there. But obviously we do have a few more minutes. Is there anything that you, your podcast now, maybe a story you've heard, any kind of last things maybe you want to share with our audience? Last words? Real quick too, Mike, we definitely will put both will say and guys in the bio, we're going to put all Mike's contact podcast and book information. I kind of, I have all that from when I pinged them, but Mike, please, anything I'm missing that you want to share that I didn't ask? Oh, Hammy, I appreciate that. I mean, I think if there was one overarching thing is that you're not alone. And Mm. I know certainly that's what you're in 6am run is certainly ringing that endorsement as well is that you're not alone. And there is strength in numbers, there's strength in vulnerability. Hey, there's people who haven't ever started a fitness journey of any sort. That's a vulnerable place. Yeah. The first time when you when you go on that run, you put the shoes on, just am I doing it right? Am I what's you know, the vulnerability that's there when it comes to this stuff mm-hmm. is it can be to the point where people just want to shun it and turn around and avoid it. Well, and you're by not the way, alone. Quick, in anything, getting on yeah. stage to sink for the first time, sure. going into a weight room, you know, and I, I never I joked, I, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, running is no different than the first time I ever went to a weight room and I only put 25 pounds on the rack, you know, when everyone else is doing at minimum 145 pounds. And, you know, like we do live in fear on perception and social media doesn't help that at all either. 
No, but it could. And again, that's where he changed it is. I mean, technically, I guess he changed it is, is technically a social media app, mm-hmm. but it could help. The big ones who who we all know of, you know, the big five, the big four, big five of them, they've got their own set of rules and cultures within them and countercultures, and they thrive on conflict, really, yeah. and polarization. That's what gets them the numbers. But can it be done a different way? It absolutely can be done a different way. And we can make up our own culture and our own rules how to do that. We just need to look around. You know, I got a picture of me and Joe Rogan behind me here. There's an example yeah. of a dude right there who has created a community where, yeah, is there infighting within it? Sure, there's going to be infighting no matter what, but there's also levels of respect with the goal of gaining knowledge of trying to move forward together. And sometimes it's messy when that happens, but we don't have to fuel the polarization and the fighting. And, and, and I think that there's a lot of guys in particular, but people out there, whether they are you know, trying to start a journey, whatever that might be. I think of entrepreneurs. I got a real soft spot for entrepreneurs. I've built a business on my own, watching my wife build a tech company. Oh my gosh, looking what you're doing right now. That can be some lonely island stuff out there. And I think that the overarching concept, whatever it is, when it comes to adversity of any sort, is you're not alone. Even though you may think you are, you're not. And it's just a little bit of vulnerability to take a step out there to to find those who you are willing to band up band arms with you. And I do appreciate the fact that you're going to throw this out there for us. You know, shechangedme.com is where the book is. Hechangedit.com has all of the uh, information on HeCast. You can find HeCast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. I appreciate you allowing me to say that, but I'd come on here to talk to you and encourage you and encourage your people, even if you didn't do that. Because what you guys are doing is trying to make the world a better place. You're building a company at the same time. You're creating a culture. You're creating community all to the benefit of everybody else. And I just love what you're doing, Hammy. I really do. Look, I think as I got older, right? Giving, right? I feel like there's just, you get more sometimes from giving. You really do. And I think one thing people don't know about me and they kind of know a little bit, like, you know, you can have the CEO six-figure job, right? But are you fulfilled, you know? And I think as you get older and you and I, I think when you hit that 40 mark and I I, I hit that, uh, it'll be three years here come June. When you hit that 40 mark, now you're like, like a game, right? I I love, I saw you have Wayne Gretzky autograph behind you. Yeah. If you look at like an athlete, like this is technically, this is like the second half of the act, right? Yeah. So second half, you start really thinking about closing the game out. Maybe the first half, you're still feeling out your opponent, right? But once you get in that second half, you're like, all right, now we got to finish the game strong and we got to win it. So then it becomes, all right, do I just want this corporate job? You know, when I pass away, maybe my kids might write on my tombstone, hey, great dad, great, great husband. I should probably say that too. But it's also like exactly what you just said. There's some things in me that are like, well, no, I want my kids to be able to be like, not only was he a great dad, but also look, he did something that helped people. I'll tell you this, and this is what you and I are going to do right now. We're going to set the table for when you're on HeCast because now you're really entering my realm. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had, again, with all of these different guests of all sorts of walks of life where they talk about how guys in their 40s start to question what their purpose is. And and I can't wait to dive into this with you and and to really go over why the, the burning desire that has come within from you to build 6am run and to talk about that because at the end of the day there are so many men out there in particular mm-hmm. and again i'm i'm not i'm not going to go into another monologue i'm going to this is a setting the table for when you and i you're going to be on hecast 
there are so many men out there that connected the dots that they were told to connect. You know, they either, when they left high school, they got a, either a good job or they got an education that would hopefully lead to a good job with some good benefits. Uh, they would go out, get the house and the wife, maybe not in that order, uh, have the kids, all of that. And then they get to their forties and they're like, okay, well, what are the next dots? And really at the end of the day, a lot of that was tunnel visioned behavior. It was behavior that was culturally influenced on them and discovering for that back half that you're talking about here, they're like, no, 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 no. I want to do something that is me coming out. And many men don't even know what the hell that is and discovering purpose. So, so there right there is the jumping off point Mm -hmm. for us when we start have you on HeCast. No. And, and, and by the way, real quick, I I don't want to add too much to that, but you know, again, that's just financially, you kind of come to this realization, like that's cool and all right. But uh, I'll share this too with your audience. I've met some millionaires, maybe not billionaires, but I've met some millionaires in my life. They have marital problems. They either are cheat. They have drug and uh, addiction problems. And I've always just sat back and been like, you got all that money and, and you're not happy. You know what I mean? But I think sometimes you don't see that till you're a little older. Kids don't see that, for example, right? Kids don't know that kind of stuff. We, we, we do, all of us do a good job of kind of hiding that kind of stuff from kids. So yeah, to your point, it just became one of those situations like, and, and don't get me wrong, Obviously, people go homeless. People have to pay their bills. You need, look, we live in a world where you need money to pay bills. But I think if you at least have some of your wits end about you, you know, again, we talk about it. Sometimes you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. Like, guess what? I know if I don't pay the mortgage for two months, I'm not going to get kicked out. You know what I mean? Like, we'll talk about more on, on your show, but there's so many things I think people can do to get themselves to that happiness. But definitely, sometimes you got to cheat the system a little bit. You got to, you know, some bills have to go unpaid once or twice. And you just can't stress about it. Like, look, you're not going to go to jail if you don't pay the electric bill one month. Well, and and I mean, I think the vast majority of us, you know, and of course, there's fringe percentages on either side. You've got your wealthy 1% or 3 or 4%, whatever you want to call it. And you've got your folks who are disenfranchised. The vast majority of people are in the middle somewhere. And at the end of the day, many, if not most of those people can look and say, okay, well, has it always worked out up to this point? <laughs> you know, I've made it this far and it's worked out. Have I gone through shit? Yes, I have. Has it worked out to this point to get me to this point? Yes. And the, the bigger question is, especially if, if something like uh, health or, or whatnot isn't an impediment, can I, do I have, you said the wits, my wits about me, do I have the, the power to allow my actions to improve my situation? And the answer almost always is yes. Yeah. So yes, that's a great, great point. I think sometimes there needs to be, also the last thing I'll say, I think sometimes there needs to be a gap between high school and college. And I'll explain why real quick. Last thing I'll say. Yes. I think you're telling this child, go to high school, right? yep. do algebra and a bunch of stuff that they might not even care like, but you got to do it. Then you're telling them immediately, you got to take a, this test and get into a good school. I know a plumber who's a millionaire. He's a plumber. He fixes drains, toilets. It's not a pretty job. But dude is rich, nice car, beautiful home, beautiful family. He's a plumber. He went to a trade school, found out how to do it, got a job with another, uh, another kind of like a big plumbing company, kind of, so, so to say, learned yeah. sales, upselling, everything was like, and then got to the point, like, I know the vendors, I know the contacts, I know I got customers, I can do this myself. Connected the dots, yep, absolutely. You know what I mean? Education, you don't get that in vendor management, supply chain, 
you know, yeah. not stuff that he would have learned in college. Now, again, we'll, we'll save all that. Like I said, that's definitely a rabbit hole for maybe your show. And, but like I said, oh, it's I just, you just got to figure out what's going to make me happy and go from there. Getting to know yourself is number one. Cause I mean, if that plumber loves what he is doing, loves the sweet spot of what his actions are dealing with people, the jobs itself, solving problems for folks and actually running the business, that's the happiest man in the world. It doesn't matter what they do. If you're chasing the dollar for the sake of chasing the dollar, in my opinion, you are, you're missing the boat and, and you said it yourself, Hammy, it's the truth. You got to figure out what it is that's going to scratch some itches for you, not just to pay the bills, but from inside, what is it that's going to satisfy you from inside? Uh, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, if you can monetize your passion, you don't work a day in your life. And I think that there are so many people that do exactly what you said. They get funneled into college, not knowing what why they want to do it. Again, I look at you, you are doing what you want to do and you're taking your shot to do that. There is a life satisfaction that comes with that that is irreplaceable. Whether you hit it or not hit it, you either win or you learn from it. And that will take you to that next phase of your life with all of that that you've learned. But you know what? With that drive and determination, I have zero doubt that you're going to hit exactly what you want to hit. And uh, I'm really, really grateful that you're doing this, man. No, thank you so much. Of course. We'll put everything for Mike in the bio. Um, I, sure. I, I myself, I'm going to be a, a supporter and get and grab that book. We're going to put everything in the bio. And guys, you know, if you have any questions, Mike is very accessible, both through his connections, we'll put in the bio. And then obviously, maybe if you guys have more questions, uh, we'll let you guys know if I do hit your show um, and then yeah. all, and vice versa. So Mike, no, thank you so much for your time. 6am community. Thank you guys for listening. Definitely. Mike will let you know too, when this is out there so you can let everyone know. So can't wait. Thanks so much, Mike. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you guys. <laughs>